Hello there, and welcome back to Cultivating Healthy and Vibrant Workplaces, the podcast. I am your host, Lisa Kelly. In this episode, I continue my delightful interview with Charlie Esty, the Senior Vice President of Strategic Partnerships with Acid Health. In part one and this episode, we discuss strategies for leveraging workplace wellness offerings to connect disconnected organizations in today's hybrid environment. Whether you are a leader, employee, or workplace wellness professional, these two episodes offer tactical insights and actionable strategies to support your important work and amplify your organization's and employees' well-being, performance, and growth. We hope you find our discussion insightful, and if so, it would mean the world to us if you would rate and share it with others. So now let's return to my conversation with Charlie. Interesting in hearing your thoughts on the values, the qualities and the competencies that you see are required of workplace wellness professionals and providers. Well, first of all, I just to give a plug to your programs at the Workplace Wellness Center of Excellence, the, I was very impressed. Um, you know, the training is fantastic. The model that you use in the curriculum, uh, coupled with the platform that, that really collects and stores, not only information that your speakers provide, but what's offered by your attendees. And many of them are, are, are so outstanding in their own field of what whatever area of wellness they're working in, be it university wellness, student, faculty, staff, or or employer organizations. But so informed. And, and then the ongoing weekly discussion threads that uh, keep people engaged after the training, um, where they talk about their challenge. Um, but I think that, you know, a program such as yours, it, it allows individuals uh, that may be in human resources, or maybe they're in benefits or health and safety. And um, they don't have time to go back for a master's in population health management. But these are programs that cover um, the foundational things, the 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 curriculum and and the tactics that are that are needed. Even nursing, which I think is the next frontier, uh, individuals that go on for a nursing degree, there's such an opportunity for them to be involved in this industry of workplace wellness because they have such a strong clinical background, but they may not have the event planning, the program design the marketing strategies, what to measure and not to measure, you know, really experience to be able to go into an opportunity and say, I can contribute to helping this organization build a culture of success and well-being. And I think that, you know, programs such as yours um, really provide that opportunity. And without that, um, an individual, let's say a personal trainer, somebody that's in shape and has done a lot of work on his or her own, they really aren't prepared to go into an organization and lead a fully integrated, comprehensive workplace wellness program because they don't have some of the skills that I just mentioned a moment ago that come from certification programs such as yours. So it is important that they, they get that kind of training and they get that type of experience and I was making a note to myself, I thought if this question came up, you know, a student that's still in school can arrange to um, apply for a student internship 
at an organization that has a workplace wellness program, but someone that is not currently a student, or maybe they have a degree in accounting or, or human capital or sourcing, um, and they're not going back to school, but they can create a field work experience where they can allocate time and, and volunteer and get that kind of experience that will help them to begin to market their skills, not only for their current employer, but if they ever had an opportunity to branch out on their own. So those are just a couple of thoughts about um, the training, uh, an opportunity to become certified as a workplace wellness practitioner or leader. I know you have different levels and how that can help them years ago. And again, I entered the field in 1983. <laughs> um, and for many years, we hired uh, professionals that were enthusiastic, maybe more extroverted. But what I've learned over time is that the best people tend to be introverted. They're good listeners. They know how to listen to a leader, what the business needs are. They know how to listen to the mid-level manager of what's important to them. And they can reflect back what they heard in a way that, you know, this is something I can help you with. Um, so I think uh, the ability to communicate, not only verbally, but on paper, the ability to be a good listener and understand how to pinpoint what the business, what, what is this company solving for? And I, how can I help them through a workplace wellness program? I think it is critical in nature. And a lot of the other things can be learned and trained in certification programs, but it does take passion. It takes patience. Um, but I think, you know, listening skills are really a missing piece in the industry, especially if you're doing high touch where you're working with people, health coaching, one-on-one, -on -one, because everybody wants to help people in workplace wellness, and they want to tell you what you should do. What it, the, the power part is to be able to reflect back what I heard and that I listen to that person. And it might go something like, Lisa, it sounds like you're undergoing a lot of stress right now. And maybe starting a walking program isn't your priority. You know, just reflecting back that as opposed to me saying, well, you know, Lisa, really the problem is your walking shoes. But I love that you brought that up because, as you well know, throughout a thread throughout all our programs is some element of coaching skill training. We offer a leader turn coach, you know, course to senior leaders. We offer coaching training through our Focus and Healthy Eating Certification Program and also through our Executive Wellness Coaching Program, of course. But it's a running and common area of uh, skill development in all our programs. So moving on then, um, how might organizations and uh, leaders leverage the creation and application of wellness charters and social contracts that, of course, you know we speak of in the book? Well, that is... Uh... A critical area today and, you know, with everything going on in the world and um, the discourse amongst people and certainly at the workplace, um, wellness charters and, and social contracts are going to become more, more prevalent and important. I think that leading up to that, um, it's important even before a company is embracing those two components wellness charter and social contracts, um, they needed to be just basic training, you know, and, and I mentioned Dee Eddington uh, a little bit earlier. I had lunch with Dee about two years ago and he said, Charlie, it really amounts to three things. This is what employees want. They want transparency. 
They want to know what's going on in the company. That's number one. Number two, they want to know that their work matters. They want to know that what they do contributes to the product or the service that each company is putting out. And number three is that they want a little appreciation every once in a while. And so often that's difficult for for managers and, and leaders to provide, but it doesn't have to be. It's just being intentional about it and being mindful about it and, and keeping an eye on those, um, not just the top employees, but, but everybody in that department. So the concept that um, I know you go into great detail in the book on wellness charters and, and social contracts, I think are certainly the way of the future. You know, and, and what is in it for me working at this organization? You know, what are my needs and what can I be, expect back in return? Um, I think is critical. And it, as it relates to um, especially certified workplace wellness leaders, and I know you cover this in your training, I think these individuals have a role in ushering in these kinds of tools to communicate what they're about, why they're important, how they're confidential, and, and maybe help with the training and um, administering this process. Because even though today, and, and let's take a health coach as an example, they're focused on goals and healthy behaviors and preventing pain and illness and disease. But for them to broaden out and strengthen their skill building knowledge beyond health improvement to understanding vulnerability at the workplace, empathy, um, helping people learn the art of delegation, uh, conflict resolution, and other leadership attributes. And I really think that it's an opportunity for those involved with workplace wellness to have a role in that. And if they don't, someone else is going to do it. And it may come from the employee assistance team, or it might come from training and development. So how might HR and workplace wellness leaders leverage and use, you know, the, the workplace wellness leadership checklist? And I know we've already spoke uh, and touched on the leadership checklist that's included in our book, but is there anything else that you can add to what you've already shared about how HR and workplace wellness leaders can really leverage the leadership checklist that we've included in the book? Yeah, well, I, again, I want to affirm um, the checklist that the book provides really provides great clarity for someone that is aware of these important initiatives and concepts, but may not be clear on how to go about it. So I think, as I mentioned earlier, when you take an HR benefit manager, director, wellness, workplace wellness practitioner, um, to have that conversation with someone in the C-suite could be a little bit intimidating. But to position, most leaders are very interested in what other companies are doing, especially their competition. And to be able to say, I'd like to review with you some of the best practices that other like industries are doing and, and see if these are some things that we can support here at XYZ Company. So having the, that agenda, if you will, the checklist to be able to walk through that um, of all the items that you have indicated in there gives them the confidence to do it. <clears throat> I think number two, um, each of the areas, the, the checklist areas are important from planning and communication 
Um, I think I would add that uh, once a leader agrees to do something, that the person having this discussion also adds dates to complete by so that you actually have that accountability from the leader to do it. But um, it might involve conducting audits uh, that you've addressed, employee interests and focus groups. You know, and one of the areas in there is this area of return on investment or value on investment as well. And being able to explain um, to the leader and get their buy-in because that's what they're going to want in order to endorse this program. This is what we're solving for. These are the components of our program. This is what we're going to measure and report on. And also explain to them that, look, we recognize that return on investment is very difficult to defend because in the area of employee health, there's so many different factions that contribute to that, whether it's the primary care doctor or the prescription drug plan or the the benefit enrollment um, incentives that are provided. Everybody has something to do with improving the health and contributing to ROI. So what I like to do is state up front, I'm not gonna use return on investment because everybody contributes to that. It's not just wellness. But what I will do is present to you measures and document our program impact. And whether it's looking those that participate versus those that didn't participate on absence, we're gonna do that for you. The other thing that is fairly new is VOI, um, value on investment. And these are softer measures, but what's important to the sponsoring company. And one of my favorite ones is we want to know if this wellness program helps us become employer of choice and how do we measure that? And one measure is maybe in year one is to ask employees and what percent responded that my supervisor cares about my well-being. And let's say in year one, it was 32% of the employees felt their supervisor cared about their well-being. But in year two or three, when the same question was asked, and maybe it's part of the HR survey that's done, that number ran up to 64%. It was significant because over the course of the year, leadership said to mid-level managers, we're investing in this wellness program. We're going to measure it. And we need you to help support it. We need you to encourage voluntary participation. And we'd love it if you would take part and demonstrate to your employees that you too are participating. Because one thing I've learned from mid-level managers is when you ask them to support wellness, they say two things. Number one, I'm too busy. And number two, I do what I'm told. So if I can craft a sample memo for the company leader that he or she will sign that says something like this. In January, we're launching a new company wellness program. It's been shown to have a positive impact on our employees and our bottom line. We have a great team made up of different cross-functional managers and and a wellness leader that's going to help promote this confidential voluntary program. And we'd love you to participate. I'm going to be measuring our progress as compared to some of our competitor companies that have also launched a program. I look forward to seeing you there. And it's just very clear that this thing's important. And as a mid-level manager, I got the message. So I can be very good about allocating 10 minutes in our weekly meeting about a healthy activity that somebody wants to share. 
or maybe I have a walking meeting once a month or once a quarter. But you've got to have that message come from the top. And maybe it's a checklist item. Would you be willing to share a testimonial, which you mentioned, Lisa, or a memo encouraging mid-level managers to encourage voluntary participation? Because you can't make people participate, but you want to be able to show them that this is important and the people at the top um, have invested in it. And by investing in it, we want to make sure there's, you know, impact. You know, it really does come down to forging relationships with the leaders. And that should be really, I think if we focused 20, 30, maybe 50% of our efforts as workplace wellness leaders on that, we're off to the races. How does Asset Health create and structure and execute, and you've already touched on this, no pun intended, high-touch, high-tech offerings and programs and a follow-up to that end? How do you help organizations <coughs> leverage your platform to really help, again, to help them stay connected in this you know, somewhat disconnected hybrid environment that we're in today? Well, as I said earlier, we, we really work hard to understand each of our clients' goals, what they're solving for. And we take a strategic leadership-focused approach where we really embrace an opportunity to work with cross-functional leaders and, and understand their pay points. And, and, and ideally is to put together a three- to five-year plan because this is something that requires a longer-term blueprint. And we're not just looking to do you know, the flavor of the month and, and be done with it. I think that but, you know, by investing in our technology, um, we obviously are very supportive of the high touch aspect. And we do provide programs and services in some cases where we allocate a full-time wellness professional just to be that boots on the ground for our client. But we, we, we also do training in wellness champions. And in our portal, I don't know if I mentioned this earlier, but we have a large university client that uses our technology. And we actually created a separate portal for those wellness champions, which there was over 100, um, where they can use that to share best practices and communications and promotions, different programs, um, so they can you know, cover the, the entire campus for, for all the faculty and, and staff. Um, but I think that you know, our approach is really to understand the client and the person up front and bring them into our technology in an intelligent way, you know, a way that we can personalize through a digital tool set that helps drive decision-making, both intrinsic and extrinsic, in a way that impacts their health and life fulfillment. So it's very broad. Um, we are able to reach 100% of the population through a digital platform. And then throughout the course of the year, based on the different programs that we're providing, we might have 60% of that population participating in courses at any given time, in wellness challenges. It might be 35% of that population has three or more risk factors, and they're participating in our health coaching. And we're even doing disease management now. But what's really exciting is not only the, the on-site staffing, because that's, there's a face for the program, and it, and it gives that program strength and energy. It's a go-to, especially at a corporate office. But through our broader digital tool set, as I mentioned earlier, we have 
employer employers in the United States. And now we're providing, uh, as an example, a wellness challenge through a partnership uh, with a company in South Africa that allows us to reach employees in 180 countries in 17 different languages. And, and that's really the power of the technology so that you have this broad, inclusive program. It's not just for the headquarters in Cincinnati, Ohio, and it's not just for the offices throughout the United States, but we can reach employees in other countries. And, and including your country, um, Lisa, we have clients where our portal um, is in French because in Quebec and other areas, that's what's required. So those are just some thoughts of how we're leveraging not only the technology, but our appreciation for the high touch aspect and whether that comes through a text message or a telephone conversation or even an on-site coaching um, situation. I, I know in, in the book I shared with you, <clears throat> we have a program called Let's Talk, where we basically set up coaches in a private area adjacent to a high traffic area and employees don't need an appointment. It's just a drop in. And in the example that I think you and I discussed, um, it was a great way to reach an employee that had never participated in our program, but he heard about the opportunity to talk to a nurse and he showed up and he waited in line. And when he sat down and talked to that nurse, he said, you know, I haven't participated in the wellness program, but I had a question. I heard you'd be willing to answer for me. Would you? And the nurse said, sure, I'm glad you're here. And he rolled up his pant leg and his ankles were swollen. And he said, is this something I should be concerned about? Because he hadn't been to a doctor since his high school wrestling tryout. And the nurse very politely said, first of all, thanks for coming in. We appreciate it. And let me give you a little feedback. This is something that is important. Um, and I really encourage you to follow up with your, your physician, your primary care doctor. And he didn't have a primary care doctor, but in collaboration with the benefits department, we had brochures and 800 numbers, and we were able to kind of handhold and get him into a PCP and later an appointment. But that's, you know, the power of collaboration and, and making these programs accessible and reaching people that maybe we haven't otherwise connected with through our other tools or resources, but having that on-site person and to your point, a high-touch example of connecting with somebody that was, I believe it was like 54 years old and maybe four years away from type 2 diabetes, um, and engage that person. So I think that we embrace both, and uh, um, it's one of the reasons I really feel excited to be a part of Acid Health, because we do have a model that works very well and we're able to personalize. And I know I shared this with you that without personalization, there's no participation. Mm -hmm. And without participation, there are no results. Without personalization, right. which is our ability to provide or serve up opportunities for wellness based on your risks or working with a coach that knows about your goals, as an example, without personalization, your participation is going to be very limited. Right. It's really important to have a personalized approach. And without participation, there's nothing to measure. And I think that is key because, you know, you could have a, a, an exciting first-class multicolor program 
Um, but if at the end of the day, you know, our goal is to get at least up to 70 or 80 percent of the eligible uh, population. Let me repeat that 70 to 80 percent of the eligible population to be participating in, in, you know, two or more components of a program throughout the year and to stay with it. And uh, and personalization really helps us achieve that goal because we're giving people what they want and the way they want it, when they want it and how they want it. Right. So it's it's critical. What do you see are the success factors of impactful workplace wellness programs? And again, if there's any other examples uh, from your experience of organizations you've worked with that, you know, it's really manifested that. Well, I'll be I'll do a more review because we've covered this, but leadership involvement um, is, is critical. Communications is the number two critical success factor. You have to be able to communicate with people in a way that they're excited to hear what you're doing and they want to know what you're doing and, and, and to act on those messages. I think wellness champions can be very helpful in this process, as well as the company communication integrator. There is somebody that's responsible for communications in addition to champions, and they shouldn't be neglected. <clears throat> I think these key words are important, emphasizing privacy and confidentiality, and workplace wellness programs are never free. Never use the word free. You offer them at no cost to you because somebody's paying for them. And I think at the launch, a reward or recognition program, often called an incentive, can be helpful in year one because it encourages participation. And um, we don't shy away and we don't apologize for offering an incentive program. I mentioned personalization. And I think going forward into the future, we need to move beyond physical health. We've got to do more around mental, mental and emotional. Social health is important. But I think we've got to look at things like cancer awareness and prevention. That's never been a big part of workplace wellness. I mentioned embracing anxiety. And I think today's youth um, seem to have more questions and, and challenges around anxiety. Um, brain health, I think, is becoming more and more important. And it reminds me of the old E.F. Hutton TV commercials. When E.F. Hutton speaks, people lean in and listen. Because everybody's got a story today about Alzheimer's and dementia. And I think just from a marketing standpoint, to engage people, to increase your wellness brand, to be doing things with experts that can talk about what is brain health? What can I do? Or even how do I cope with a friend or family member that's been diagnosed with dementia? So these are some things that I think we can do more around workplace wellness. And I think will be part of our, our services as we go forward. In our book, we discuss grassroots workplace wellness movements. How might an employee or wellness champion initiate and lead such a movement? Great question. And um, I think that there's a great opportunity for an employee that maybe was designated as the wellness champion. But the first thing is, is again, to find out, you know, and I know that there's sometimes an over amount of surveys and focus groups but the truth is, we want to find out, you know, how are people thinking about health today? Is it important to them? And what's important? Um, when you mentioned diversity and inclusion earlier, when you have a, a population that's made up employees from other countries, it's critical to have this discussion, whether it's a survey or focus group, 
and say, how do you think about health? I know in one situation, we have a client with a higher percentage of employees from the Pacific Rim. And when those employees think about nutrition, it's not weight loss, it's about food safety. So we got to be thinking about talking about food safety, not how to lose weight or body image for those employees in that aspect. Another company has a large percent of employees that are from India. And I know in my work globally in India, when they think about the concept of health coaching, it's much like how employees in the United States think about employee assistance programs. They assume that if you're talking to a health coach, you must have an addiction or you must have an issue that I want to shy away from. So in that particular client, that's where you know the idea of let's talk really is a great concept because we're not promoting health coaching. We're just talking about let's talk about what's on your mind. Drop in. Bring your questions. So, Charlie, what are some key strategies workplace wellness providers or perhaps workplace wellness concierges, such as graduates from our programs, might embrace to effectively position and promote themselves to organizations for workplace wellness employment or contract opportunities? Great, great question. I think the first thing is, is experience. And as I mentioned earlier, if you have a graduate that's currently enrolled in a, a, a school program, college or university, it's really um, really good for them to look into an internship where they get practical experience. And as I mentioned earlier, if a graduate is out of school, maybe explore a fieldwork experience on a voluntary basis so they have that familiarity. And I used the example earlier of you know someone like a personal trainer that has really created a niche for them in the community, but they're really not sure how organizations functions from policy communications, using informed consent, release of liability forms, um, and so on. So getting that experience will help them have that conversation with a prospective employer um, or someone that wants to sponsor a program. I think their ability to design, design and present an annual worksite wellness plan that addresses what the company's solving for, uh, how we're gonna drive participation and, and impact results, and really understanding what that company is solving for. Is it to become employer of choice? Is it to impact injuries or is it to impact health status? To be very clear on that. And, you know, as I did mention earlier, but this whole field evolved out of something called industrial recreation in the 1940s and 50s. And, and those companies had bowling leagues and softball leagues, and it was really about fun. So as we talk about the medicinal side of health and measuring and improving health status, um, it's got to be fun. So your graduates need to talk about that aspect and the listening skills and giving people what they want and the way they want it. But again, also their ability to track and report participation. As I said earlier, this is critical. And, and especially coming out of the pandemic, there were a lot of great initiatives offered to on-site and remote employees the last couple of years, but not a lot of measures to really determine what worked and what didn't. So having the value on investment and the ability to track and report that are important. And I mentioned earlier with the, with the champions as well, but this is true for your graduates, being able to conduct a needs assessment or survey, and not just for participants, but a special survey for non-participants and asking them what they want. What have we missed out on? How can we help you? How can we get you connected with what we do? 
we even gone so far as having a, a, a little healthy breakfast um, to invite non-participants to come in and talk about their thoughts about the wellness brand and what they like or don't like and what we should change. So those are just some things that I think are helpful in addition to all they've learned from your um, training programs that you offer and how thorough they are, but just some things that should be front and center as they begin to have a conversation with a potential employer or company that may be evaluating them to run their programs. Nice. And then last question, and we're going to wrap up. And this is actually, I think, a question you presented to me. And I really welcome your thoughts on it. You know, the potential linkages between and positive impacts of organizational and employee well-being and healthy communities. So where are the linkages between a healthy organization through our workplace wellness programs and other HR measures, what have you, and the health of our communities? What's the linkage there? Well, I think that's the future. And the, the ability to impact health, we have to align with communities. And what I mean by that are the policies that are creating or building or ignoring the health aspect, what we call a healthy community. Um, I have a client in a county that has a, a million dollar wellness program, but when the employees leave to go home, there's not a safe place to walk where they live, they don't have access to fresh fruits or vegetables at a reasonable price. In order for them to attend a healthy back class or try out yoga, they have they need transportation and the bus schedule doesn't work at before hours or after. So these are things that, that are a must. Um, what we're leaning into is taking the technology that I spent some time talking about today and we're at now placing it in physician group offices, whether it's primary care physicians or something known as direct primary care, so that that sponsoring company and, and maybe the, the health plan they work with has a network of physicians, we can drop in what we call Acid Health MD into that physician office. So the physician team, when a patient comes in, we would say the employee patient comes into the clinic they not only have their employee record, but they've got their data on that employee participation in the wellness program. So I might say, Lisa, I know you came in for a flu shot, but I see you've been participating in um, these conditioning courses to improve your tennis game. And the last time you were, we were here, you mentioned making this up, diabetes runs in your family, but you may not be aware that this platform that you have access to has a diabetes prevention program. Or you may say to me, yeah, but you know, I've just been so busy. What I really need is talk to somebody. And now the physician team can prescribe our health coaching um, instead of giving them a pamphlet or a sheet of paper with tips on whatever the topic is, they can encourage them to sign up for our, our health coaching, whether it's with a live um, registered dietitian or it's a self-directed coaching model, because we find that about 18% of the population, they don't want anybody calling them. They just want to do their own thing on their own time. So we've developed a self-directed coaching program as well. But that's an example of working together with physician groups. And I think that's another part of the new frontier where they actually have access to this technology and they can engage their employee patients and use these many tools and resources to improve <clears throat> their overall health. So those are just a couple of things. Can we work on the social determinants of health? 
on housing and transportation and access to healthy food choices at a reasonable price. You know, wh what do we do to support that? Safe walking areas. And then how do we, you know, work in cooperation with the on-site clinics or community physician groups so that they're not just treating illness, but they're promoting resources from the area workplace wellness program. As you were saying that, we, um, as you know, in our book, we talk about, we give a chart on examples of how of multi-dimensional holistic wellness programs under the different dimensions of well-being. And the last area in our column is community well-being. So I think that really speaks to everything we're talking about here, right? And many organizations are involved in corporate social responsibility, but how through our CRS initiatives, can we do it with a wellness lens? Two examples that came out of our programs one years ago through our level two, our, our participants create an actual wellness campaign. So our programs are very hands-on. So they come out with, you know, very acquired skills and developed skills. And so one, one year they developed a project called project warmup where they would bring uh, seniors into an organization or a, a venue that the organization sponsored. And so employees would work with the seniors and have fun games and maybe give them hot chocolate or maybe give them some hats. And then the other, lastly, is one of our graduates who I profiled in our book and also in her newsletter in LinkedIn. When she was in Belize, she's in, in, based in the U.S., but she went to Belize to do a contract, a wellness week with a resort there. And she said it had such an powerful impact not only on the employees but of the community and when they left because of the initiative within the organization the community had started adopting like a 5k run and race and the community members were starting to go to the gym because the employees had been uh, afforded the opportunity to go to the gym through her arrangement with the gym and then it cascaded out to other members of the community so there are some really powerful examples i think and those you spoke on of how employers can take a really active role in, in helping to create healthy communities thanks again charlie i immensely enjoy our discussions and genuinely value your support of our workplace wellness center of excellence initiatives and the mentoring of both our program trainees and me to connect with Charlie, please check out his bio in the show notes via our podcast page at workplacewellnesscoe.com or connect with him via LinkedIn. Also, I invite you to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to your favorite shows or sign up for our VIP email list via the Linktree URL provided in the show notes to receive notifications of new episodes. So thanks again, Charlie, and to you, our listener, stay healthy and keep on keeping it real. Bye for now.